Hey everybody, man! I want to welcome everybody to um, our very first podcast here at the G County Store, and um, I got a very special guest with me—somebody that's very important to our community, to me, and just in general to life. She she brings a a, a great energy and a bright light to everybody she meet, and everybody knows her. Right? I would like to introduce to y'all my former middle school teacher. And personal friend, Miss Diane Merchant. Good evening, and thank you very much, Mr. Hoffman. Thank you very much for coming out. It is my privilege and my pleasure to be here with you this evening. Hey, we are honored to have you in the building. It is great to be able to share in this conversation and be able to um, give back to the community. That's what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to add value to the people and let the people get your value, your history. Um, your knowledge, because you have a wealth of knowledge, and you have, I'm going to take your statement, tried and true information. Um, Real quick, introduce yourself, let the people know who you are. Good evening, my name is Diane Merchant, and I'm indeed excited to be here with Mr. Uh, Robert Hockley this evening to share uh, an adventure, an adventure that life has given me as co-founder of Mainland Preparatory Academy, Galveston County's first open enrollment public charter school since 1998. So I'm here to share that adventure with you, and I hope there's something that you can take and learn and grow from. Wow, man, 1998. Absolutely, it was a very good year. That's amazing. I'm taking a deep breath because this is awesome. This is completely, totally awesome. Nineteen ninety-eight, you started the school. Um, I remember you being in Central. Listen, listen to me. Everybody remembers you being in Central, and all I could remember is I ain't going to Miss Merchant class, man. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to go in there. I'm not trying to hit. I'm not trying to participate. And it wasn't that you was bad, but you was everybody's second mother. Listen to what I'm telling you. Once I got off track and um, I was on my own journey away from school, dealing with the hardships of life, if I ever remember school or ever thought of school, I thought about you. So when I think of a school teacher, I think about you being in the hallway and us trying to avoid you or get away from you because you're going to either tell on us or make us sit down somewhere of make us behave, and we was not <laughs> like, don't go that way, don't go that way. She out there, nah, nah, wait, wait till the bell ring or something, trying to avoid you. So let's just kind of, that's my history with you. I know many people have different histories with you, different different stories they could tell. But let's kind of get into your history a little bit. Um, l- let me ask you real quick, where are you, where were you born, where are you from? Let me begin by telling you that I was born in Pennsylvania, a country girl. Okay. I was a farmer's daughter. Okay, so when you say Pennsylvania, you're talking about Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that, that Pennsylvania. Yes, that Pennsylvania, but I was on the countryside of Pennsylvania. The countryside. I okay. lived in Chester County. I was born in West Grove, Pennsylvania. And uh, as I said, I was a farmer's daughter. I was raised on a farm where we grew everything that we consumed. Okay. And we had carefree adventures 
that I did not realize would be so valuable to me. Uh, but as I grew up, that's where I got my start as a teacher because I was privileged to be the youngest girl of uh, six children, and I taught my dolls. So I would hold class at home in the evening with my dolls, and that's when I began to realize how much teaching was going to play a part in my life. It was my dream to be a teacher. Wow. So I can tell you not many people have the opportunity of living their dream. I lived my dream, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, wow, 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 wow. That's that, I didn't know that. That's what we learned today. Okay, Pennsylvania. Let me let's let's give a little insight. So, you say you was a farmer's daughter. Yes. Correct. Okay. So, tell us a little bit about your parents. Like, what what was your father's name? What was your mother's name? My father was Marvin Bowers. And he was originally from North Carolina. Okay. And my mother was Louise Bowers, and she was from Gary, West Virginia. Okay. And they met and moved to Pennsylvania and began their family. Uh, my dad was an out-in-the-field nature lover. He was a hunter. He was a farmer. He enjoyed doing things with his hands. And after they moved to Pennsylvania, they began their family. Uh, in all, there were seven of us. There were four boys and three girls. Okay. Um, and they taught us the ability to sustain ourselves I got on you. the land and to entertain ourselves with each other. I got you. So I came from a loving family whose daily existence uh, was built around the land, but a very religious family. My mother and father had rules and guidelines that functioned around the church, and that was a wonderful upbringing. Uh, it gave me a lot of solid, sound principles, of which I'm very proud. Okay, well, let me ask you, was it whoopings involved in this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the razor strap. My mother and father did not play, and um, they let it be known, if you spared the rod, you would spoil the child. And we were spoiled, but not because the rod was spared. I got you. I got you. So that, that's important because now, you know, nowadays some people don't understand that people really got whoopings. Mm -hmm. Really got whoopings. I mean, really got whoopings. And, you know, again, you wouldn't think that, but, yeah, I'm glad you shared that with us. I'm glad you was able to, to give us that context because that saved a lot of us. And if it didn't save us early in life, it right. saved us later in life because this world going to whoop you. You're going to get a whooping. You're right. <laughs> you know, either way. So best to start at the house. Right. That way you could be prepared when they come out in the world. Okay. Um, do you have any particular lessons from that time? And when I say lessons, is it anything, maybe an event um, or anything from that particular time? You say it was seven of y'all? Yes. Okay, and what 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 number you? In the I was seven? number six of the seven. Number six. So and you I, have a youngest. I have a younger brother. A younger brother. Okay, and um, is it anything in that particular time? Right, you out on the farm. You're in Pennsylvania. You're growing up. It's seven of y'all. Like you say, this is your world. 
right? Right. Could you name any particular lesson of value that, that kind of carries you through life? I mean, you kind of said it with um, being able to feed yourself and understanding survival, uh, you know, uh, of just sustaining yourself that you ain't going to eat just because. You eat because you grow, and you don't eat the food the day you plant the seed, no. you know? So, so, so share with us some of those things that kind of became your compass from, from that time. One of the things that I am grateful to have learned early on in life is that respect was absolutely essential. Mm. And children were to be seen and not heard. Mm. At growing up, uh, when my parents... Uh, had conversations or had company, we weren't sitting in the middle of the conversation. Children were not to interrupt. We were taught an undying respect for adults. You did not talk back. And I can remember one time in particular, because I was the the younger daughter, and I I really was my father's favorite. (laughs) And I took it upon myself to intervene in a conversation that my mother was happy having. And before I knew it, the back of her hand was in my mouth. And it never dawned on me as to why she hit me. I knew instinctively that I had done something wrong. Otherwise, I would not have been regarded like that. But wherever the scene of the crime was is where my mother and father corrected the, the, the punishment, I corrected the sin. So I learned very on about respect, about staying in a child's place, and about uh, minding my own business. Oh, man. I mean, listen, I don't play with kids. It's, 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 I don't mean that in a, in a harmful way. I, from what you sharing with me, that's what I believe. Like, hey, if if... I know kids gonna make mistakes. I know they're gonna yes, make noise. They do. But the minute I say y'all making too much noise, be quiet. That gotta register. And if if I, I, I shouldn't have to yell. No. I shouldn't have to do all that. It should be a level of respect to where when okay, daddy's saying be quiet, and if we don't, he gonna whoop us or something. So let's just be quiet, right? To just that that you listen to You're what's right. going on, not know. I'm gonna test them to see if it, see and that and that that's what we experience a lot. Not me, not in my household. Let me say that, but I see that a lot in general, out in public, and in general that um you know people don't kids don't mind or feel the necessity to listen to instruction. And and that's true. Um, <laughs> remembering one of the instances as I was older. Uh, my responsibility was to wash the dishes. And I had not properly washed a dish. In fact, I had not properly washed several dishes and a spatula. And my mother, when the dishes, she would dry them. She'd slide them back in the um, sink if it was not clean. Well, I was pretty agitated with my mother. Yeah. And there was a spatula that had dried up egg yolk on it. And my mother said, now look right here. Tell me you clean this. I knew better than to say anything, but I sucked my teeth. Oh. And before I knew it, that spatula 
was all over my mouth. She had in it had imprinted the the slots of the spatula across my mouth, and I could feel it when I went up there to touch it. And she said, "And if you have something else to say about it, I had nothing else to say. I simply took the spatula back in the water and properly washed it. So I had no doubts in my mind about respect for my adults and the proper way to handle myself. And disrespect was not uh, permissible in my family at all. And I mean, yeah, we need some of them rules to come back. We need, we need some of that stuff to come back. That way, and I don't mean it, and a lot of people may look at it now, they look at it as like, oh, that's abuse, right? Or that's a form of abuse. But, but listen, this is what I want the listener or the viewer to understand. If you're not corrected at home, where are you to get the correction from? You're correct. Where are you to get the correction from? And in in my in my living, I ran into um, a situation that I was in, and I found myself um, like getting into it with people over something as simple as like let's say cleaning the toilet seat, right? I mean, like, when I say people, I'm not talking about kids. I'm like grown men. Right. right? Hey, man, you use the toilet seat, clean off the toilet seat. And it, it took me an altercation with a guy over that to understand everybody wasn't raised to clean the Correct. toilet. Here I am thinking, like, he is disrespecting me. He is not wanting to do this. But the whole time, this guy has lived his life not having to do that. Right. Not knowing that was something you even supposed to do is to wipe the toilet seat after, you know, with men or raise the toilet seat up. At no point in time in his life has he encountered that or had to deal Never. with that. And here I am, completely, totally upset, creates a complete physical altercation with this guy over cleaning the toilet seat. Now, I'm saying that to say, had the correction happened at home, I wouldn't have to whoop no grown man. Correct. <laughs> you understand You're what right. I'm saying? You're right. So, so the so the correction has to come from the house. It, it it has to. That's the only way we know how to brush our teeth every morning, right. wash our face every morning, because we are corrected and made to do that when we young. That's where it all begins in the home. And I remember, you know, my father telling his sons that. Um, I'd rather correct you than have a white man in a black robe standing over top of you. <clears throat> that was enough said. It's too late at that point. That's it, right. It, so we understood what their motivation was. Did we like it at that age? Absolutely not. And I vowed myself that I would never say those things to my child. But I found that my mother and father reincarnated in me. Reincarnated. Yes, they are. Hey, it's tried and true, though. And that's your, this is your thing. Yes, it is. I, I, may, I may have to use that one. You are more than welcome. I appreciate Because we'll find it. that the things that are tried and true are proven. Those are the things that work. Yes. So, yes. so we got that, and that's, I, I, I like that. that. That's great. So we're still in Pennsylvania. We're still growing up, right? Let's go to high school, right? If you had to describe yourself in high school, what, what, what kind of person? is Diane Merchant, high school years. We're still in Pennsylvania, right? We haven't yes. left Pennsylvania. No, no. Okay, do you have any 
between the youngest and your sibling that's older than you, what what's the age differences here? Like, are any of these, any of your brothers and sisters in school with you? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, between my next closest sister and me, there was a seven-year gap. Gotcha. And between my younger brother and I, there was a three-year gap. Okay. So because the way the schools were actually aligned, I did not have the opportunity to go to school with any of my brothers and sisters. My older brothers and sisters were considerably older than I, and my younger brother was only three years younger than I was. I got you. But I love school. I lived to go to school every day. I loved it. There was a passion that was ignited in me by some excellent teachers, and I was hungry. I was hungry for learning. So school was my arena. That was my uh, place to be. So my parents didn't have problems out of me uh, in elementary school, middle school, high school, because first of all, my parents didn't play that. I was there to do a job. Going to school was my job. And I took pride in that. So I was inquisitive, National Honor Society. I loved school. I loved reading. Uh, I loved drama. I was, you know, uh, in the drama club. I loved all those things that said school. And anything that gave me an opportunity to um, bring joy to my parents was my goal. You did it. So I, I, I was that girl. Um, I was actively involved in the NAACP as a young girl. I was president of the youth chapter. I also was very active in uh, local pageants. I got you. Oratory contest. Uh, those kinds of things that required me to put my best foot forward. I so you. school was an extension of making my parents proud. And I was a teacher. That was always what I was going to be. Okay, and uh, let me ask you that. Even, even, even with the aspect of, of you being a teacher, right? Was that, how I, I cannot put it, was, was that something you just got on the farm? I mean, I know you say you played with dolls and things like that, but you just instinctively like wanted to give instruction and help people learn. I did. I just loved teaching. I loved learning. And I would emulate the things that I saw in the classroom. As I said, I was blessed. I yeah. had awesome teachers. Got you. Um, and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the light to someone else's children in the same manner that my teachers were lights for me. I got you. They ignited my I path. And and now I I was quite outspoken as a high school student at that time. Uh, black history. We were just being awakened by demands for um, black student rights. And I participated in a sit-in. Um, but I got up before my parents got there. I got you. I knew better. I got you. But I also had the opportunity to explain to my parents um, what it was about and what it meant for me. And they were more understanding with me. Um, 
we didn't have to do any more sit-ins at that time because we had an educational system that was responsive to our concerns and our needs. Okay, so how far is the um, city from Philadelphia? Anything like that? Like, what is the closest? Me- I know it's country, but but how far are you from, you know, actual city life? Uh, I was in Chester County, uh, which is mushroom-growing country. In fact, uh, Kennett Square is the mushroom-growing capital of the world. Okay. And um, Philadelphia was approximately 50-some miles okay. from where we lived in the country. Uh, so we had the opportunity to go into the city, to museums, to plays um, that were, you know, offered to uh, students. Yeah. But the rest of my life was built around home and the church. Home and the church. I never wanted to be a city girl. I got you. I enjoyed the freedom of the country. Uh, we didn't have the air conditioning. I got you. Or the fans. We woke up with the windows up, the screens, the curtain blow, curtains blowing. It was truly a, a, a country life. Chopping wood. Yes, chopping wood. Chopping now, wood for the winter. Dad didn't make the girls do the chopping. Not wood. you. I'm just saying. But, but yes, you grew up in that. we did all of that, and the um, we'd go out to the to the um, wood area and pick up the wood and bring it in. My mother used it in the in for heating the house. At one point in time, we had a stove that she cooked on gotcha. that was a wood burning stove. Yeah. Um, but we lived a spacious. Um, energetic lifestyle in the country. Being, want to be a teacher, being inquisitive and involved with what's going on, at that time, high school, Diane Merchant, what was your aspirations after high school? Because now you're coming up in a time where your siblings and the ones before you, you are presented now with more opportunities. More things are opening up. So are you... Um, like what they doing now, applying for scholarships, or you picking, do you have a dream college to go to? You know, you coming into the senior year, how, what, what's on your mind as far as college? What did the next level look like to you? I wanted to go to Hampton University, which was oh, an HBCU. Shot, real quick, shout out to my... My niece Leah, she goes to Hampton right now. Right. She's in Hampton right now. Well, that's where <laughs> I wanted to go. Okay. However, my father let it be known that I was not going off to Hampton. I wasn't going to an HBCU. That as far as he was concerned, I could stay at home. Mm. But I was not going to be down there partying. Okay. And it was that's just, D.C. That's that's Maryland. That's Mar- the next that's state Virginia. over. That's Virginia. Hampton is in Virginia. Virginia, okay. And, and, and Howard was absolutely no uh, Chocolate City. So I didn't have very many choices as far as my father was concerned. I got a job immediately after high school because my dad said, I just don't think I'm ready for you to leave me. I got you. I was, as I said, I was his baby girl. But I worked for uh, six months uh at Emeryville State Hospital. And I, I sat down and I talked to my mom and my dad. And I said, this is not what I want to do. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. 
And then my older brothers and sisters also intervened and, you know, told my dad and my mom, you know what, she's smart. This is what she's always wanted to be. And you know you've taught her well and let her go. So I applied to a small Quaker college in Wilmington, Ohio, called Wilmington College. And I went. I was accepted with a, a, a full scholarship. Full scholarship. And I went and uh, thus began my love affair with education. I became very active in every student organization that there was, the Black Student Union. Um, I just was in my element. And I went on to um, Wilmington College. I met my, my husband-to-be okay. and uh, Tommy Armstrong, and we got married and uh, moved down here to Texas. And I finished my education at the University of Houston, main campus, and graduated with honors. Okay. I was on the road. You was you I was, was going to be a teacher. And my dad, you know, actually made me promise that you will, you know, go to school and finish school in Texas and, and be what you want to be. And that's what I did. I kept my promise to myself. I kept it to my parents. And uh, I'm grateful. But that's how I got to Galveston, Texas. I mean, how did, okay, so you, you at the college, you meet um, Mr. Armstrong, who had the connection to Texas? How did He was the, from, uh, Tommy was from Galveston, Texas. Oh, he was, he was from Galveston. He was from Galveston. G-Town. Uh, yes, he was G-Town. And the first time I came to Texas, <laughs> I fell in love with G-Town. You fell in and, love. And, you know, it, it's a good thing that I also fell in love with him at the time. But, uh. <laughs> We ended up in Texas, and as I said, married, and I finished at the University of Houston and then went to GISD and got my first job at The Rock, the old guidance center. Okay, now, I didn't, I didn't go to The Rock, which is now the administration building. It is the site of the administration All building. All right, so when, yes. when, when I was in my mother's stomach, she was at The Rock because I think that's where they took you if you was pregnant or anything If you were a PG girl. Like or yeah. if you had disciplinary issues, you were yeah. at The Rock. It was under the guidance of Irene Dillon, who was a phenomenal educator. And she instilled in me uh, to give my best as an educator. And she also instilled in the students to be their best. You were there because of circumstances, but it did not have to be a conviction. So let me ask you this. What year was this? You started working at The Rock. At now, you're 19, not a student. You no. are a... Staff teacher. member, you are a teacher. Okay, that was in 1976. In November of 1976, I graduated uh, from the University in of Houston, Houston in uh, officially in December, but I was through in November. Uh, so I went to the guidance center and interviewed under Irene Dillon, and she hired me, and that began. My so you young, you right out of school. Oh yes, you getting you getting right to it, and then you at the rock. You were the quote unquote hardheads at. You were yes. the, you were the Galveston hardheads at. They were the that was the best teaching experience I've ever had. My I give GISD all the credit. Really, they taught me everything I know, the good and the bad. Good and the bad. But they also opened up a community of educators and students to me. I loved Galveston. I will tell anybody my best years were spent 
as a teacher in GISD. Wow. My best relationships with students were cultivated right there in GISD. And I am proud to say I am a GISD teacher. I hear you. Go ahead. I hear you. I, I mean, love it. Those, those, those experiences and the things you share with us, um, you know, I mean, wow. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying wow because most people don't get to, um, especially like in today's time, go right into what they want to do. And then I could only imagine back then the community of um, you basically being at this school with like-minded people, not only from the staff, but even as the kids that are coming through and graduate. I mean, it's, it's like the golden years. So, so I mean, I, you know, from just boy, when you describing it and me knowing my mother went there and she explained it to me when she went there, I'm like, okay. And as you describing it, I'm seeing my mother pregnant in the classroom and you in the classroom with these people that's going to go on to be, you know, whatever they would be in life and do this and do that. So I think, you know, that's a, um, yeah, I think, I think that is a great start Uh, around this time. I want to ask y'all had started, had you started, I guess you would, you working, you this and that you had started a real sense of independence, so to speak. And, and I'm saying that to say uh, what I'm kind of harping on is for a lot of people now in school or getting out of school, you know, you, you reach a time in life where you kind of become independent of depending on parents, yes. depending on this, on that. You and uh, Mr. Armstrong, Mr. Tommy, y'all are together. You have finished college, which ain't easy. Like you going through college, are you working? I, I mean, is the finances... You know how you went to a full scholarship at the um, Wilmington College in Ohio. Wilmington, did that scholarship transfer to? No, it didn't transfer. When I got to uh, Texas, after we got you know married, um, then I had to pay for my education. Okay, uh, but that that was not an issue. Gotcha. Because anything worth having is worth paying for. Worth paying for. And and that's what we did. We paid for my uh, college education. I only had a year and a half or so, yeah. uh, maybe two years left to do here. And um, in the meantime, I had a daughter. And, okay. Um, and that was before you got out of school? Before I got out of uh, University of Houston, I okay. had a daughter in 1974. And I finished U of H in 76 or 77. I can't remember. But I graduated with honors from the University of Houston. Um, And paying for school was something that I expected to do. I got you. Uh, And I didn't have a problem doing it. I got you. I didn't look for a handout. This was my responsibility. And we shouldered that responsibility, and I finished school. no student loans, paid as, you know, as, as we went along. Um, but as I said, Galveston afforded me the privilege of some of the best relationships that have sustained me throughout these years. I taught in Galveston until uh, May of 1998, and that's when we were granted a charter to open Mainland Preparatory Academy. So GISD was good to me. 
Okay, so you was my teacher. You was in the hallways at Central Absolutely. Middle School. Now, I um, ran into some trouble in my life growing up, which charged me up. But I consider myself a, a um, eighth grade graduate. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad cat. I, I did go to right. Ball High, but I am. That's where it was People all will began. say, call you a dropout. This I graduated eighth grade Central Middle School. Yes. Robert Hockley. And that, that is the an education I have yes. lived on for the rest of my life. You know, so what years were you at Central? I was at Central from the year Dedrick Brown was shot. Oh, Dedrick Brown, for those that don't know, he's a track star, yes. athlete. Yes. And he got into it with somebody at school, another kid, yes. and they had an altercation after school. Yes. And he was shot or stabbed. Yes, he yeah. was stabbed. Yeah, he was and, stabbed. And that following. Uh, oh, that had to be 90, 1990 maybe. I know, that because they were doing the realignment of Central. It used to be strictly a 7th and 8th grade school or an 8th grade school. Yeah. And then that's when they realigned it after Dedrick was 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 killed maybe to a 6th. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Sixth, seventh, and eighth school. And that's okay. the year that they I, I had previously taught at White's Middle School after having left the the Rock, and then we were transferred over to Central. And Central, I'm telling you, that was a team of teachers. We taught hard. We played hard. We had relationships with our students and our parents. That was the best experience I've ever had. Okay, so for the listener, uh, the viewer who might not know, Central Middle School, paint a picture. Central Middle School is in the heart of Galveston County. I mean, Galveston, across, excuse me. It was on me. the other side of Broadway. It is on the north side of Broadway. Yes. It is across the street from Cedar Terrace Projects. Yes. Um, it is right here in... What, we, what you will say, the urban community. It is smack dab in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And like like she say, the school was was everything. I mean, we wanted to go to Central. We were family. Yeah, like if you went to Central, you couldn't wait. Central was your, 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 your growing era because it had a lot of history because it used to be an all-black high school. Yes, it right? was Central High School. Central High School. So um, one of the oldest schools in Texas is Central High School. Not this particular building, but the first building. Right. And they transitioned from the first building to this building. To cross Broadway. Centralizing it right in the black community. I mean, the projects are in directly the across the street. Yes. We lived there. We would walk to school, which was across the street, and walk home. And this particular incident where um, Mr. Brown was murdered, I wasn't at Central yet. But because it happened so close to the projects, everybody heard about it. Everybody talked about it. It was like the biggest thing. Yes. Did, 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 you, did you know him? I knew the family. Okay. Because um, it's your first year there. Well, no, I came. He was... Uh, Killed in May. In May. And then I came over in August. In August. Because okay. that's when we did the big transition. Um and 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 Wise became an intermediate. Right. Wise became yeah. one of three middle schools because it's uh, Wise became sixth, seventh, and eighth. Uh Central became sixth, seventh, and eighth. 
and so did Stephen F. Austin. I got you. So we had three middle schools at that time. But um, I came that year after under Tom Lasseter, and I tell you, we were family. We were the, the model for teacher-student relationships, community relationships. We worked very hard with the parents on that side of Broadway to build a bond between the students, the parents, the home, and the school. Okay. And that was a success story. Okay, so now, now let me ask you this, Nick, because now another thing I want the listeners to realize, this is the height of the crack era. This is the height of gang violence. This is, and this is not where you already have a um, study or you already have a history on it. It hasn't even been created yet. Like, like yeah, no. they haven't even laid out what's actually happening in the community. This is, this is, this is um, the the violence from the drug trade. This is Crips and Bloods. This is the lean on me of lean on me days that right. that she's speaking about. And when you brought there, what? And I, I'm asking this because I would only assume now if you went into a school and you tried to implement any of that try to fix anything you would be met with all kind of resistance right what gave the educators that you was under set that program in place or gave y'all what y'all needed to say hey y'all know what's happening here y'all come up with a solution as a group y'all make this better at that time GISD spent a lot of money to create an educational environment at Central. They were, it was intentional. I got you. And that community needed what we could provide. And that was the bridge. We built a bridge between the home and the school because we were all in the same gang. Gotcha. And that was the gang that we wanted to attract our students to. Uh, at that time, Galveston suffered from very poor press. You know, gotcha. Galveston would beat everybody in sports. Gotcha. And Galveston uh, students had a reputation for being about their business. Hey, we bought it. We they were about it, about it. You're not going to play And we us. were also <laughs> about the business of being about our students, giving them the support that they needed, giving them the encouragement they needed, and letting them know that we're in this together. So Galveston gave us a lot of training, bringing in professional educators, uh, well-known speakers uh, who came in to teach us how to do the bonding that we needed to do, uh, how to establish the rapport between the school and the home. And we followed that plan. And, and, and who was the, is you, uh, we brought up um, assistant principal, Ms. Miles, I remember her. Right. Who, 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 else, who else was the, you know? At the time that we actually started this, it was Tom Lasseter, uh, Jack Stork has, had come, also came through at one point in time. Uh, we had Greg Smith as an assistant principal. We had Don Roy as an assistant principal. Uh, eventually, BT uh, Miles came over, Miss Miles. Mm. We had Papa Charlie come over. We had 
any number of illustrious educators who were committed to the process. And we were a team. I mean, we supported our students. We, we supported them in their uh, games. We gave them the proms that were just unforgettable experiences. We got to be a part of a family at I Central. And, and it, as I said, um, many people had negative things to say about GISD. But the one thing that I can tell you is that when we came, we came together. I got you. As a family. And uh, our students were a force to be reckoned with. I got you. And that was the blueprint for me uh, of how to be an effective educator. And I got it from Central. How to be a team and work. Jackie Williams, Joycelyn Demerson, Bobby White, uh, Sharon Lewis, uh, who is now on the city council in Galveston, there were a lot of illustrious people. Dan Matthews, uh, Mr. Alex Prince, Pat Spence, Marva Mays. We were something to be reckoned with. No, I came through there. I came through there. And like I say, I, I feel like I graduated from there, period. Like my experiences there didn't carry me through Ball High. My experiences at Central was everything. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it was everything. Yes, I act yes. up the most. I did the most, but I was disciplined the most. I was, like you say, looked after the most and all those different things. In Ball High, I was kind of lost in the herd yeah. pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was I, I was pretty much um, lost in the herd. Miss Miles, I seen her all the time. Tried to stay away from her. She was too tall for me. I was too... I was, she was too tall, I was too small, and I'm trying to get away from her because Baby. she is stern and she is trying to hold you to the principal. So I remembered it. But I actually thought, I didn't know you kind of highlight that. And your, I thought maybe because of those times, it was such a bad transition in the community, right? That, so... Your central experience didn't push you towards creating your own school. It wasn't the central experience that pushed me toward. Yeah, yeah. What, 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 it was what, what actually the that state into of Texas experience. Okay. At that time, uh, 70, uh, 98, 97, 96, test scores for the state of Texas and for our area looked bad. And the reason being uh, that was often given was that um, African-American students, minority students, made the test scores go down. Oh, they saying as a whole, Texas is down because of minority right. students. And that's not what was going on at Central. Gotcha. We made tremendous gains, tremendous uh, strides in educating our children. And... I could not tolerate the fact that we were being used as a scapegoat for poor test scores. And you're right, stu African-American students across the state did have poor test performance. But my attitude was if you teach them, I they you. will learn. And many times uh, children who looked like us were placed in special ed classes or um, given other excuses for not learning. And I knew better than that. 
because we as a people are some of the smartest, sharpest, uh, smoothest yeah. children I've ever met. So my thing is if you teach them at their level and you teach them on their level of where they're coming from, you'll reach them. You gotta got you. reach them to teach them. I got you. And that's why in 1998, charter schools were the thing. The first charter schools had actually opened, I think, in 1996 or earlier. I, I you know, Doug Matthews. Doug Matthews challenged a group of women. Okay. Me and three other women. He challenged us to investigate charters because we were going to open a private school. We did not realize the obstacles that were involved with funding. Gotcha. So we met with Doug Matthews, and Doug said, why don't you all think about a charter school? Okay, so right there, real quick, what's the difference for anybody that's funding, not in education? Funding anything that, so, is the difference. Uh, in a private school, your parents or your constituents have to underwrite the cost of the education okay. totally. I it's a you. paid education yeah. involving tuition. Charter schools are public schools. Public funds. Uh, and where you get 80, 75 to 80% of the money that the state generates to the public school, you take it out of the public school system without taxation uh, or the benefit of taxes, and then you create a program based on 75 to 80% of what each you know student brings to the district. I got you. So that, those are two different. Right. And at the time, you didn't understand that. I didn't know anything until about it. you met with Doug, right. and he challenged you and, and three more. I mean, right. you and two more women. Yes. He challenged us. Why don't you all go and find out about charters? So we wrote to the state and took a ride up to Austin and met with the the, the director of charter school education. And then we took some trips on the highway going to Corpus Christi, okay, which had a, uh, a successful charter school. And we went around to Boys and Girls Preparatory in Houston that had a uh, charter school, first generation, which means they were the first ones on right. the block. So we submitted a charter application and we were accepted and we became a second generation charter school the second group of charters to open in 1998. Okay. And there were were four of us. You're saying there was four people, four four women, women, but not, no, was it any other schools here? White or? There was no no other charter school school in Galveston County. County. Mainland (laughs) Preparatory Academy was the first open enrollment charter school. Second generation in the state. Yes. And the first here in Galveston County. In Galveston County. And Wilma Green, Georgia Lovell, and uh, Shauna Hicks. All educators. Educators, and Shauna was a social worker, I believe, at the time. Okay. And we had seen firsthand the education program in GISD and in Lamarck ISD. And we decided if it can be done, we will do it. So we made our visits to the uh, different charter schools and found out. And then we had been, I had been teaching 20 some years by then. At that point. So I knew what education entailed. 
and uh, we knew what we had to do. So we submitted the app, got our charter, and in August of 1998, we opened in rented quarters. Sussens, old Sussens Furniture Building in Texas City was being renovated. And while it was being renovated, we opened our school in the building of the Sanders Center in Texas City. In Texas City. Yes. L let me ask you this real quick. Um, not going too far back, but wh while you in school, right? You didn't, you teach, you teach for 20 some years up until that point. You, like now I see most people, you, you had no ambitions or did you try before doing the charter to be like a principal or anything? You, you understand? Like some people take that approach to try to fix the school. I'm going like, to be honest with I'm you. I'm going to be a principal or I'm going to be an assistant principal and I'm going to teach the school once I move up to get over here. I'm, you know, so you didn't take that approach. And, and what's the honesty in that? The honest truth is I didn't have a desire to do it their way. I got you. It was our desire to do it our way. I got you. And the you first. seen enough. Yeah. Yeah, the only change was going right. to come from was getting out of the system. That's right. Out of the box and creating and your own you box. You have to create I got the you. environment. And we realized that in order to do it our way, we could not do it legitimately within the confines of a traditional ISD. I got you. You got to so, write your own rules. That's it. We had to write our own rules. And we actually were committed and actually believed mm. in what we wanted to do. We were determined. We were um, committed to doing it our way. Listen, I seen my mother... Make it happen. I know what four of my mothers would do. Look, y'all move that mountain. That's right. And put it where it needed right. to be. You know what I'm saying? Right. And before we opened our doors for the first time in August of 1998, we were down to three people. Down because to three people. Um, circumstance did not permit the other person to continue. Um, but we were willing. Well, 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 let me ask you this. Not speaking on them in particular, but when you set out, because right now it's a it's a dream. Four women get together, right? Y'all create this thing. And here we go. Now we down to three. And when we say circumstances, are we dealing with we get approved and are we dealing with financial situations? That's exactly what we were dealing with. It's, it's always you know, the, you know. The other uh, person had young children. And when you've got young children, you have to make sure they're going to eat every week. I got you. Every day. And the amount of time that we put into it, my daughter was older. Um, she was in college. Uh, Wilma's daughters were, you know, in college. And Miss Lovell didn't have children at the time. And But we were committed. And I mean committed our time, our talents, and our treasures. So, so they asking y'all at this time, y'all study, do everything. You say you get approved. Some of the requirements of approval is you submitting or y'all submitting what at the time? Just, just uh, and I'm trying to give people the idea, you know, of the okay. challenges that you're that that you're going through, you, you, you know, at at this particular okay. time. When we submitted our charter in 1997, 1998, we had to have it in. Uh, the document 
proved to be in excess of a uh, hundred pages. Hundred pages. That was the application. That was, the and application. you had to guarantee that you had a space that had specific allocation of footage per student. I got you. Uh, you had to make sure it had a sprinkler system. It had an adequate fire program. You had to pass all city requirements and then state training. Um, yeah, you to haven't even got school. to the staff. Right. Yet. That's just right. that's just in saying this building is right. okay to put a chair in. That's right. And we <laughs> had to make sure that there was safety such that no child's life would be endangered. Gotcha. No one's life would be endangered. And then there was the curriculum. We had a different twist on the curriculum. We believe that if you expose the children and give them experiences that would make the learning be more personalized. I told you, if you teach them, they will come. Okay. And that's what we decided to do. We wrote our own curriculum. We did. Uh, so we, when you say you wrote your own curriculum, meaning like you wrote your own um, textbooks? No. We got our textbooks from the state free. But as far as pre-K, the pre-K curriculum was not the one that the state uses. I got you. The state program at the time was only a half a day. Okay. We believed that we needed the children the whole day. Gotcha. But the state would only pay us for a half a day of school. I gotcha. So locally, we had to eat the other half. I gotcha. And our children didn't, we didn't send them to school to learn their ABCs. We brought those pre-K students to school to read. And we guarantee them mm. if you bring them to us in August, <laughs> by October, they will be reading. They'll be reading. And guess what? Every child who came through our pre-K program met that requirement. We were relentless. You're right. We did homework for little people. Yeah. But we mandated parental involvement. We didn't provide transportation. That was the parents' responsibility. If you want them at that school, you'll get them there. I got you. Once you get them there, we'll do everything we can to help you. We got you. They had to wear a uniform. At that time, African-American children were all about the high-dollar tennis shoes. What you mean that time? They still bought the high-dollar tennis <laughs> You're right. <laughs> that, they that were time. about uh, the, the name-brand clothing. But you know what? We insisted on a uniform. Not a uniform dress code, but a uniform that they had to purchase from the uniform store. Okay. Because we wanted to levelize the playing field. It wasn't what you had on your feet. It was what you put up here. What you put in so your So if mind. everybody's pants cost the same $19, you weren't going to slide any Jordash jeans in there on us. So let me ask you that. With that. Were y'all kind of ahead of the curve on that? Because that started becoming the, the standard. I mean, you know, as 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 as, as they, yes. you know, because, okay, you start the school. The school is up. We're going to get started. How many staff members y'all had? Opening day. On opening day. Opening day, how many staff we members? We had 188 had? students, and I think we had 20 staff members 20 staff members okay so we got 20 staff members members excuse me 188 students um 
they giving you pushback about the dress code? Oh, before we ever opened the, the doors, door, we saying. had an information day for our parents to sign up. Okay. And we held meetings, letting them know what our expectations were of them. And again and again, the question came up about, are those kids going to get a nap at school? And uh, do they have to wear the uniforms? Can we buy them someplace else? The answer was, you don't come to school to sleep. That was number one. Okay. And number two was, yes, you have to buy the uniforms from the uniform supply company. If not, then Mainland Preparatory Academy is not for everybody. I got you. And we told them, if you just work with us and not against us, we'll give you a product of which you will be proud. Yes. But our parents had to bring their own children to school and pick them up or make arrangements for them to be picked up. They had to come in those uniforms, and they had homework. That was not an option. I got you. Teachers were mandated to give homework because if I'm teaching it here in the school, then the parents need to reinforce it at home. They need to be teaching at home. So it was a partnership. I got you. It was a partnership between the home and the school. And we found out that our parents, uh, if they com consented and committed to all of that, then they were about the business of getting their child in education. So it's kind of like, a, uh, it's like with anything. You have a, a um, you just can't become a nurse. No. You have to commit to X amount of years and you have to commit to a grade standard That's to be it. able to become a nurse or, or, or become anything in particular. Right. You just can't walk up to the plant and start operating all this stuff. You have to because these barriers let the person know that this is what you want and this is what you want to do, That's that right. we are all on the That's same right. page. Right. If the person coming up to be a nurse could change the rules on what it takes to be a nurse, then everybody would be a nurse and it'll be a lot of malpractice and all there this would be different no stuff going on. There's no quality to the nurse. There's no quality. Or the level, there would be no standard. No standard. And we were about the business of standards. And if you didn't pass, you did not pass. We didn't offer summer school. It, it, is, it, is, it is senseless to me to try to teach a whole year in a four-week, six-week program during the summer to recap credit that you didn't get all year. Something's wrong with that picture. I got you. I got you. So it's really, I mean, that's kind of like my philosophy with a couple of things. It, it was really about getting out, because one, we small. We already starting small. Two, funds are, ain't. We can't waste this out. Look, we got one. We got one shot. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, they didn't quit it. And, and that's and that's very important. Where other um, ethnic groups are in financial situations where they can keep trying. Right. We got one shot. That's it. We got we got one shot You're to get right. it right, or we out the door. You, you know. So you coming in being very particular about who got that shot. That's right. And hey. All you had to meet was a couple requirements, and you had a chance at that shot. And parents made choices. You're either with us or you're against us. 
And one of the things that we found out in Galveston County, there are so many children who have never been across that causeway. It sounds impossible, but back then, there were a whole lot of children who had not been across oh, that causeway. Oh, okay. Causeway. So for, for those listening, you have, um, excuse me, you have, you taught in Galveston. Yes. Okay, it's a bridge separating Galveston from Lamarck. So, Miss Merchant is starting the school. She is in Lamarck. You got to come across the causeway. Right. And right there, that was a process of elimination for a lot of people. Process of elimination, right Right there. there. But as part of our curriculum, every opportunity we had to teach and to tie it to a field trip, what better way to teach the human body oh, you, than to go to the museum? Oh, you of, back on the form now. Yeah, baby, I'm trying to keep <laughs> it real with you. But you back on the form right. now. You taking them out there. We connected what they were learning in the textbooks to places. Houston is a wealth, wealth. of places to go, farms, kids who had never been on a farm. You know I made sure they yeah. went to that George Ranch you know, yeah. our children learned about Texas history because we took field trips to the Alamo. We took field trips to Fredericksburg. They got to see Lyndon Johnson where he was born. They got, got to take pictures in the in the in the blue bonnets in their state flower. I got. They you. got to go to Austin. They got to meet state senators and representatives. Oh yes, we did that. I got you. Because they needed to connect with what they were learning. My children went to Washington, D.C. and met with their state senators. I got you. My children went to the White House, not once, but three times. Gotcha. We went to Europe. What? We went to, not once, but at least four or five times. Europe. Yes. We've Dang. been to Buckingham Palace. All right. My children who were with me at the time went to New York, um, 9-11 before. Yeah, before the, the thing. Before the 9-11. Yeah. My children have vivid memories of what it looked like then. I got you. And now what it looks like. I got you. Uh, we've taken our children to Amsterdam. We've taken them to Germany. So, and, he, and you ask, how do we pay for that? I tell you, we sold a whole bunch of candy. <laughs> that $1 world's finest chocolate opened the world up for our children. Opened the world up. It certainly did. And, and, and children who could not afford to go, that was not an issue, and it was nobody's business. I got you. We took care of that. I got you. We as a family, when parents came in and would hold those, we'd hold our meetings, and they would say, you know, Miss Green, Miss Merchant, we want our babies to go. Well, I don't have the money. And then my question was, are you willing to work for it? But, you know, it's amazing the way people can come up with money. Hey, you come up for money with the things you want. Churches. When you want it, you come up with it. Churches. Uh, Reverend Johnson from First Baptist Church. Some of his church members wanted to go. He went in his pocket and made that happen. 
Gotcha. There were other people, friends that I had in Galveston. So you're speaking by community now. Found out what we were doing. And they write a check. You're speaking by community now. That's what education is. Education is a community responsibility. Because I would tell these people, if you don't educate these children now, then they're going to come back and rob your home while you're at work. So it was a real deal for us. We were very serious. Um, I have children now that will sit back and, you know, we're in Italy, you know, walking down the street during a, a festival. We were in London for the Queen's birthday. I haven't been. I'm so sitting there I, like, I'm wow. Telling you, um, and I know Galveston, I mean, I, excuse me, not. <laughs> I know most public schools ain't finna well, send you look at here. I tell you, you what. You may get the zoo out of them. You know what I'm saying? Central is the school that started that. When we were at Central, we took our children to Washington, D.C. every year. That was the highlight. And those who couldn't go, those teachers came out of their pockets to help. I learned that in Galveston at Central. So I know that children are better equipped to know the world when they see it. When they see it. And, and, and that is a strong belief that I have, that in order for education to be most valuable, it has to provide both an experience and an exposure. And I'm committed to and that. And I say, that's, that's the upbringing. That's that on the farm. Yeah. That's being hands-on. I knew what it hands-on. meant. Hands-on. To being see a cow there. give birth. I got you. Um, <laughs> I knew what it was um, to see a cow being milked. Being milked. I knew what that was for the meat to be hanging in the smokehouse. Yes. That's that's on the farm. Cabbage. That, that's how you get it. All of this stuff that we saw grow from nature. We understood GNP, gross national product, gotcha. because we lived it. Um, my biggest dream <laughs> as a child was to go to the grocery store and buy thin sliced lunch meat. Because the lunch meat that my mother would slice was wasn't was was thick. Yeah, you got to get know full. It's the mm-hmm. meal. <laughs> I wanted that thin sliced yeah. stuff, and to this day, I want my meat cut on number one. Mm. But these are the experiences that we wanted the children to know uh, where the pork chops come from. You know, we provided that experience and that exposure at Mainland Prep, and very proud to say that. Uh, we woke up a sense of yearning and learning in our children. Our children have been woke for a long time. I got you. They got to see student government. We had an election that was run with precincts in the schoolhouse. I got you. The little babies voted. We had elections and uh, campaigns. But that was putting them in touch with the real world. I'm glad to say we have doctors and lawyers and teachers. Some of the teachers teaching at Mainland today are graduates of Mainland Prep. That's beautiful. I mean, that's what it's all about. That, That is priceless. That is beautiful. That, that That is legacy. And that's what you're fighting for. That's what I'm fighting for. Community commitment, and continuity. You don't get an education and stop. 
you have to keep pushing it and it has to keep growing and it has to be something that your children can put to good use. Put the work. You 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 do you you did all this. It's tried and true. We made it all the way this far. Here we are. You have retired. Yes. You have, you know, had this impact. It's not going away. It's it's here to stay. It's here forever. When when y'all are starting out, y'all at the first building, you are implementing the parental things, making parents responsible, things like this, right? Y'all are the first charter school in Galveston County. Yes. Right? Not only yes. are y'all the first charter school in Galveston County, y'all a minority charter school right. in, in Galveston County. What was some of the backlash you was getting? Was you receiving, and I'm only saying this because there's somebody out there that's going to want to do this and want to to try this, and there's some obstacles that's going to run into. So you run into the financial situation. You're right. Right. And, hey, this is what comes with anything. If you want to start a piece of business, it's going to have a financial responsibility right. to it. Okay. But what are some of the things that you ran into other than financial that once you got underway, once you completed the financial responsibility and y'all are rolling, that you're not expecting coming from it? Is it a group of people step in and try to prevent y'all from doing things? Is it, you know, is it, it, are you faced with the challenges or everybody's not clapping? Everybody is not happy with your success. We learned that early on. As part of the charter school application, we knew that we were going to impact five districts, Galveston, Texas City, Lamarck, Dickinson, and Hitchcock. Okay. So we had to send a certified letter to each one of those districts, letting them know of our intention to open a charter school that would uh, try to attract students from their district. And if they had any objection or felt that it would negatively impact their enrollment okay. or their performance, they had an opportunity to voice that opposition to the state. So you got five schools. Five school districts. And not one of those school districts voiced or went on paper as being against the so, establishment so, of oh, our charter. Okay, so they reply is they not against it. No, they didn't. Well, let's keep it real. I'm saying I'm saying that yeah. the official they reply. They probably never thought that we were going to have the impact that it's we first. did. You're, you're right. The first we're one the through first. The door. And you're looking at a group of three African American women. You're the first one through the door. There it is. You, 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 so you're the first they one didn't know the who door. they were dealing with. Yeah. Um, oh, they think they could do this. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to put no energy We've in even had this. the uh, former member of the Chamber of Commerce. We wrote letters to the Chamber of Commerce in Galveston. Dickinson, Hitchcock, each one of those respective districts, letting them know that we were going to open a charter school. And one of the directors of the uh, Chamber of Commerce said, oh, don't worry about them. They won't make it. Well, baby, that Ooh. was just what I Ooh, needed to it's hear. Not, it's nothing beautiful than being underestimated. You're right. But we went out and formed relationships. Uh, I used to buy a lot of furniture from Star Furniture in Galveston, Texas, Ben J. Stein. I got you. Went to Mr. Stein, and I need your help. Uh, we're opening a charter school, 
And my children aren't going to eat on cafeteria tables. They're going to eat on dining room tables and dining room chairs because we wanted them to learn the etiquette that was essential to the family concept that we were building. I, I need six dining room sets. Um, what can you do for me? I was into making a deal. Doing business. It was strictly business. We here to do business. And Ben J. Stein did business with us. He did business with you. Um, there were, when I left Central, there were teachers who said, girl, I can't believe you're jeopardizing your TRS to go and start a school. You must be crazy. So that's, that's your state retirement. Yeah. Right. Okay. I had teachers who said, girl, what do you need? I need trash cans. I need staplers. I need school supplies. I got These were personal friends, personal friends that gave us trash cans. What color do you want? Yeah. Uh, or they donated money. Here, go buy what you need. We made relationships work. Um, but there were those who said, you all can't do this. So e even when you went to hiring, yeah. hey. Yeah. Remember, remember that talk we had in the, in the, um, on break? Remember that time we was hanging out and we talked about it? He go to school. Come on over with us. Help us out. You know, um, you want to be the first this or that, that and this. So your staff was mainly new people. Or they was were it? brand new people. You had to get the we, brand we, new people. We, we ran into um, a social worker. And uh, she was so impressed by what we were doing. She said, what do I have to do to be a part of this? I said, you just did it. We hired people who were committed and shared the same goals that we had, who believed that children needed the opportunity to be exposed and to have experiences. Uh, I did have a couple of people uh, who were personal friends who were certified. I got you. They said, I don't have anything to lose. Gotcha. The starting, the highest starting salary, I didn't care how many years of experience you had, was $30,000. was $30,000. Now, see, I'm saying that because you will have people hold meetings. You will have people talk to you about doing this. And the minute you create it, the minute you create the thing that they say they want it, right, and the minute they see that you fought through all the barriers, right, mm -hmm. And now you are, their, their participation is required, will act like they never said nothing about it. Well, you know, the funny thing about <laughs> that was we didn't have that problem. I got you. Because we didn't ask them. And my friends were point blank honest with me. That's why I call them friends. They say, Merch, I love you, but I can't do this. I got you. But whatever you need me to do. I could help you in this way. I, that, and that's if, what they and, did. And that's all you so need. So we had no false uh, ideas or false hopes about who was going to do what. We knew we had to get teachers um, who shared our vision. Gotcha. And at that time, they didn't, have, they didn't have to be certified, but they did have to be degreed. They did have to be degreed. You had a whole bunch of sorry certified teachers. We didn't want them. <laughs> Now nah, we wanted the ones we that wanted people who were willing to roll up their sleeves and walk this journey with us. And so we started out in the classroom teaching and administrating. 
And administrating. So we did what we had to do. But we had parental support like you won't believe. Because there were parents who were committed and wanted something better. And that's that niche group. That's that inaugural group that sets it in motion. You know, that's yep. that, that's that, that's that, um, the first crop. That's, that's, right. that's the first ones you get that, that, that right. set it in motion. And you hear that what I'm is what happened. That is the group we took to Washington. That is the trip group we took to New York and Philadelphia. Those kids not only in eighth grade learned about the Liberty Bell, but they saw the Liberty saw Bell. It. They learned about the Empire State Building. They went to the Empire State Building. Um, these were children whose parents wanted them to have the best. And they didn't mind doing what it took. There was no foolishness. If a child didn't have a pencil, you send them to the office. I don't have time for that foolishness. Yeah. Give them a pencil. Yeah. If they don't have a book, give them a book. I got you. The books don't cost you anything. And because the children know, knew how much we expected of them and how high our expectations were, they lived up to our highest expectations. You set the standard um, and they, they'll meet it. If you teach them, they will learn. And we rolled up our sleeves, and I, you know, talked to those kids the same way I talked to my daughter. I had a reputation in Galveston uh, that I was quite proud of. What was that? I'd go to your house. <laughs> oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Nowadays, they call it pull up. I pulled up. Oh, so you pulled up I on pulled them. up before. So, so, pull so up. you going to pull up. We did it at Central. Our team at Central visited every student that was in our class. At Mainland Prep, our staff visited every student enrolled in their classes. Pull-up game strong. Pull-up strong. strong. And you know what? pull-up game. A child was giving the teacher a hard time. I walk in the room, come on, you're going with me. Put them in the car, strap them in. Where are we going? For a little ride. I took you to your mama's job. Uh, uh, your mama wasn't going to tell me, don't send him home. I'm not. You didn't have to. I bring him to you. Uh, yeah, we did that. We did that. We pulled it right on those jobs. Didn't have a problem. But a parent could also come to me and say, I don't have money. My baby doesn't have but money. But hey, that's much. needed. Meaning. Hey, it is what it is. It was accountability. You ain't take too many of them trips with the same kids. I bet sure you that much. Sure didn't have to because they get embarrassed. <laughs> them parents have a funny way of being embarrassed when you roll up on their job. Yeah. With that child sitting in the back strapped in and I um, walk into the office and say, I need to see you for a minute. Got one outside. Yeah, we got something for you. Mm. Oh, you weren't going to leave that child on that job. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> because he's on my job back in the fool. Let him act fool on your no job. job. He, look, he, he ain't we got too many, too many of them of trips out the same ones. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, parents, some of my, and, and my fathers, oh, my fathers were just as responsible and accountable as I held my mother's. Yeah. We tell him in the New York Minute, um, we need your help down here. And I had one parent, when he realized his, fun, his son was cutting the monkey food, he said, no, that dog won't hunt. Mm. He came right in that room and took care of his business. Mm. So I'm serious about education. No, I understand what you're saying. It has to be that, what you said, community, continuity. 
it has to be the connection. It, it, yeah, it has to be that. Let mm-hmm. me, um, you get through your first year. First year. I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking. First year, you get through it. It's a bunch of work. I know this is a bunch of work. But are you excited that, I, look, look, this is it, baby. Baby, we are in the rounds. This is it. I mean, is it, is, is it that or is it, whoa, man, I, you know, I done bit off more than I can chew. I got to rethink this process. How did that first year At end for you? At the end of the first year, remember, we opened the doors with three co-founders. Yeah. By the end of the first year, we were down to only two of the original. Okay, so we started with four. Right. By the time the door opens, we had three. And By the time the end of the school year is over, we had two. There were two of us. And what, we what, were what's committed. happening here? Is it still a financial issue? No, it's not a financial issue. It's a work issue. Oh, it's dealing with, it's fixing the problem. Right. It's um, what, what, what they call it, um, carrying the load. That's what it, it is. It's a load here. It, it, it's uh, a load. Miss Green and I would get to school at 6 o'clock in the morning and open up the school. I got you. Um, custodian would come on about 6.30, 6.45. You ain't even on no time. Just And this is so the audience know. For me, I'm an entrepreneur right now. Look, they asked me, what's my work schedule? It's seven Mondays in my week. Every day is a Monday. That's you know what? what I'm saying? And listen, it's not what time you leaving. We going to either leave when we can't function no more or the yes. job done. That's Them it. the only thing, that's the only schedule that's we right. stick to. Seven Mondays, <laughs> when the job is completed, are you too tired to finish? You know, That's when you stop. Our husbands used to bring our dinner to us. Because we were payroll. I got you. We were teaching. We were administrators. We were it. And there were times when we were janitors. I got you. So, But we, it's going to test you, though. Yes, what I'm trying to say you're is right. you think you want something. You want a school. What you're saying you want is work seven days a week. 16 to 18 hours a day. That's that is it. what you're saying. But you don't think you're saying that. You uh-huh. think you are saying, I got a title. I could take pictures and no. tell people I'm this. But when you say you want the school, when you say you're going to start a school, you're saying you want to work seven days a week, 16 to 18 hours That's a day. It. That is what you are saying. At the end of the first year, when our start when when our state test scores came in, we were the bomb. Here it is. Here it is. These little black children, tried, little Hispanic children. Tried and true. Look at those test scores. Mastery. Okay. That was the first year. Well, the second year we came out with our reading recital. Miss Green had this, my other co-founder had this dream of a reading recital where we would showcase the reading talents. Every child took Spanish from the four-year-olds up until the eighth graders. Okay. So when the children left our school at the end of the eighth grade, they had a high school credit in Spanish, one. Okay. They had a high school credit in Algebra, one, if they qualified, Mm -hmm. and a high school credit in World Geography. Okay. That's how bad we were. Okay. I got you. So... 
Second year. And this year, is 98. Y'all already yeah. foresee that this second language is needed. Oh, yes, if because you look else, at the population yes. of Galveston County, but you look at the world population. This second language right. is needed. So at the end of 1999, 2000 year, um, we had the reading recital. And the little bitty babies got on that stage dressed in tuxedos, reading The Cat in the Hat. The Cat in the Hat. That's a third grade book, second grade book. I got you. My babies read that. I got you. Well, we sent the video of them to the to our our state representative had come to visit us. And he asked, could he have a copy of that video? And he took it back to the State Board of Education. And he said, you guys, you got to see something. There's this little school in Texas City, and uh, they're teaching those kids how to read by the time they're in pre-K. No, that can't be. The kids are memorizing the books. That's what they said. They invited us to the State Board of Education meeting in Austin, Texas. We were the first school ever to read to the State Board of Education. Invited y'all, handed y'all something to read. Mm -hmm. And when they put that book, our, each one of our children had his or her own book of the cat in the hat. They were dressed in top hats and tuxedos with their little red cat in the hat bow ties, and they read that cat in the hat book. So one uh, legislator or one person on State Board calls a little girl up and says read this page for me it wasn't her page to read she tore him up tore him up read it with the emotion and the feeling threw it over the fence baby Bing, ball ball out four the ball years part. old so subsequently they wanted to know what we were doing that enabled those children to read and we had our own hooked on phonics teaching them Phonetically, yeah, the way we knew yeah. that it should be taught, giving them emotional intelligence, right. understanding, hey, this is how, this is what it is. They didn't sleep at school. Some parents did take their kids out because they didn't get a nap. But it ain't for everybody. But that was okay. We yeah. wish you the best of luck. But we told you mainland prep is not for everybody. So by the end of the second year. We were being invited to read. But but y'all still considered in the marketplace of business of school. Ah, y'all just a little school. No we thought we were going no, somewhere. No, no real backlash yet. Oh no, they over they 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 at the furniture store. They they not they not they well, not they not they, they not they not you you not on their radar still. You know, it was our goal to be in that furniture refurbished furniture store. For four years. And on the fifth year, we're coming out. Gotcha. We built our own school. Mm. We secured bonds and money from Coastal Securities. And they financed. And we laughed and called ourselves the $6 million women. Come on, now. And we built Mainland Prep as it stands over there on Newman Road. Beautiful building. And it opened in 2003. Five years later, from 1998, we opened Vainland Prep, a brand new facility. People were coming 
and well, you know, uh, one of the schools is getting ready to throw out some uh, furniture. They didn't know about us. Oh wait, 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 wait. Huh. Okay. We don't do second hand. So, so, so here's the classic example. People want to start a school. People want to get started. You start it, but you also knew that hey, you can't have it. You cannot plant the seed and eat the fruit the same day. You're right. So here you are knowing as a goal five years. You didn't say in five years I'm going to build a $6 million building. You say in five years I want to be in a space to where we have a building. You work hard, you stay focused, and your work gets you approved. That's it. For six million dollars, it actually wasn't six million, but it was something point something million dollars. Well, closer to three. But Wilma and I laugh and say we the six million dollar women, but because I don't want to mislead anybody. Okay, but we did uh, secure bonds. But I mean, okay, the amount three teachers, educators. That's it. This is an achievement coming out. Of just five years ago. I mean, I know people think five years is a long time. And these short-minded people. Five years ago, right? Yeah. Five years. Here you are established and being approved for millions of dollars in That's funding. Right. That's Coming right. from zero. Coming from what, y'all? Hey, zero. how much money you got? Now, go ask these people, can they get this? You know, coming from zip, nothing, zero. Here we are getting approved for millions of dollars, groundbreaking. They, yes. they, they coming through with the caterpillars, breaking the ground. That's right. Putting the new masonry cement smell That's glue it. to the building. That's it. And here that school still stands 24 years later. And mm. people talk about um, how well kept the building was. Well, you know, our children, children are notorious for uh, graffiti on the walls in the bathroom. Not at Mainland Prep. Listen, I've been in my house two weeks, and I was painting the walls. Not at Mainland Prep. (laughs) I was painting the walls. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) But our children took that kind of pride because we made it very clear to them there is nothing in this school that is secondhand. Nothing. Gotcha. Um, So you're not going to come in here. And let somebody tear up your house? You're not Bebe's kids? Not, not happening. Th- didn't Again, happen. holding them to a standard. And we held them accountable. If it happens, it's your peers. You're going to let them tear up your house? Oh, no, they didn't play that. And guess what? If a teacher wasn't teaching, those kids would come right in that office and say, Miss Merchant, Miss Green, you need to get rid of so-and-so. Why? When y'all not there, he lets us eat in the classroom. Or he's not teaching us. Or he let us watch. There was a movie, something about drum something. Um, Drumline? Drumline. Yeah, he wasn't teaching. He he let he letting us watch the movies. And this is a, a, a social studies class. Yeah. Talk about Miss Merchant. He let us watch Drumline. I said, did you watch it? He said, no, that's why I got a pass and came out here to tell you. <laughs> you know, 
and it, but but that's kind of standard. But that's, that's the, the accountability, accountability y'all that, had you know, in you, place. Well, then what, he, he's stealing from you. Exactly. Talk about you need to talk to him. That's the student. That's the student. So accountability. Just like we held the children accountability, accountable for their learning, we held the teachers accountable. For teaching. But you've got to let us know what's going on in there. Yeah, it's a shared responsibility. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's because, a shared responsibility. And, 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 but I, there was no deception. We told the teachers, this is what you are to do. You are to teach these children. You're not here to be their friends. You know, that respect is two-way. Uh, but you will not disrespect the education that is their entitlement. I got you. So mainland prep was on the map. We had very good reputation in this community. Uh, Mayor Chuck Doyle uh, invited our children to functions around the city when they dedicated uh, the new park in Texas City. Mayor Doyle invited our choir to come sing. That's how good we are. And sure enough, they made sure our children got some kind of dollar coin that they were putting out at that time. He made sure every one of those children in that choir got one of those. People were, we went to Mayor Doyle uh, before we opened the school, letting him know we were only going to be located in Texas City for five years. And then we were building wherever we could acquire land. How did y'all find that land? I'm just asking um, in general. Can you can can you remember? Yes, we had a real estate agent, Barney, Barney Rap, Zap, Mr. Zap, and he found it. He found it. He found it, and told us, "I, I think you're going to like this." And when I, uh, we had wonderful architects, um, that design the building according to our designs, what we you. needed. We had people who were on our team because they valued the education that we were giving our students. We brought Annie Cater down from Tiffany's. And Annie Cater is a renowned etiquette expert. Okay. And she taught etiquette to our teachers and our students. That was one of the rites of passage. When you got in the seventh grade, you had the Annie Cater class. And then they had uh, their graduation ceremony at uh, the hotel in Galveston. Um, Moody Gardens? No, it was the other one. Um, the one Saint on Louise. the seawall. San Luis. San Luis. And the chef. You know, they had all of the proper dinner setting because our children, many of them were used to eating their lunch or their food in the backseat of a car out of a McDonald's bag or something. I got you. And we needed to teach our children the skills that would m equip them to be acceptable or to be appropriate in society. So those children got to go as their graduating ceremony, and they had to um, identify which spoon they're to use for the soup. They had to lay out a table the way it was supposed to be. What was the water glass? What was the iced tea glass? What was the wine goblet? It may not seem like much to you. No, it is an introduction. But our parents said that when she started, some of our parents, when they were packing their children's lunch, 
the kids would go to the kitchen counter and get a paper towel and fold it like a napkin because they wanted, that was the proper thing to do. Whether you're eating out of a lunch kit or, or you're eating at the San Louis, they knew to put that nap but, in but, your but, lap. But you have to be exposed to that. And where else exposure is you going to get that exposure? Right here. You right gave here. them exposure experience. in the classroom and experience at the hotel. By teachers who were committed, who were concerned, and it was not an option. Many of our teachers, well, they all, because they had to be present in the classes. But Annie Cater, we paid her a whopping sum to come down and teach our children etiquette. There is no place that we have ever taken our children in the United States or in foreign countries that our children have not been complimented on their behavior and their deportment. I got you. I'm telling you, we, um, our children saw Tamia and Tamara Maori mm. uh, in Italy during yes. one of the festivals, walking down in the parade. Yeah. You know, but they... They had the deportment and the etiquette to know how to approach. And then they people. all complimented. Um, how did it? How did it feel? So we know how it feels after the first year. Test scores come back, and you are you are living. You're on the right yeah. path. This yeah. is what I. This yeah. is what I did it for. Right. Here we are, brand new building, opening day. You yeah. running around making sure everything's straight. Yeah. But at some point, not in that day, maybe. But within that year, you was like, I'm really here. Yeah. I mean, when did that come over you? Did you sit there? Did, did we get some tears? Did we, I mean, did, did, we, did we sit there and say, I'm here? We always knew we'd be there. I got you. Because it wasn't a surprise to us. It was by design. Uh, yes, I've had those days. Uh, most notably, when I retired from mainland uh, three years ago, I had one of those days. You had one of those days. Well, I actually, uh, I knew it was my last day walking out that door as the superintendent. I had one of those days. You, you fought the good fight, though. Yes, you I did it. what I came to do. do. Your have flag been, on that moon. Right. Have there been disappointments along the way? Yes. Uh, but the one thing that Mrs. Green and I had no problem in doing, and it was if an employee failed to meet the high standards of Mainland Preparatory Academy, we didn't wait till the end of the school year to dismiss them. Couldn't afford to keep them on because gotcha. they were jeopardizing a child's education. I we gotcha. let them go. We've been sued. Every successful person has been sued. Um, Every successful person has been sued. We've been slandered. Every successful person has been slandered. And you know what? I have no regrets. None. None. As you, as you, None. that's what I wanted to ask you. What was, you might have had many, but speak to us about one of the high days that you had in your 20, whether whether it was with Mainland Prep or at Central, you know, did you have a day or era where 
it was just a high. You know, it's like, what was it your first graduation ceremony? Was it, you know, I mean, if, if you could just remember back, was it was it a prom y'all put together? The um, very first unforgettable. Unforgettable. Was our National Junior Honor Society induction. Yeah. It exemplified dignity. Yeah. Class and excellence. Yeah. Because those students were prepared and had rightfully earned the right to be in that honor society. They had to meet all of the principles of the National Junior Honor Society. That was a highlight for me. Yeah. Another highlight was to stand before the State Board of Education with 30-some children who read. They got a standing ovation. And every time that we've been back since then, it's been sponsored by one one of the our own legislator, uh, state representative for this area, uh, David Brown. He <laughs> sponsored it one year. He says, I don't care what it cost. We stayed in a hotel. Because we weren't going up and make those children read and bring them back down. No, they stayed in a hotel. Parents came and met us, and we took one of our uh, teachers to, to comb hair and, and what, get them what, what, ready. What, what year is this? 1990, um, 2000, 2000. 2000. So two years in, you at the state board. Yeah, reading. You at the state board. Because we had that reputation. Um, I, I'm here to tell you, that one of the uh, at one of the charter school associations, we did a presentation on using your community resources to get what you needed for your charter, and that's when we talked about the partnerships that we created with Ben J. Stein and um, the paper, one of the paper companies in Houston. You know, um, we. We, we, we had the Fabric of America Fund at one of the plants here in Texas City where parents who worked at the plant um, were allowed to earmark $500 mm-hmm. to go to Mainland Prep for its educational program. So we've had a lot of community-wide notoriety, but it's nothing that we didn't earn. It's nothing that those children did not deserve. I am proud to say that we gave many of our children experience and exposure that they never would have gotten anywhere else. And they come back. Some of them are even sending their children to us. No, that's what that's what I was exact that's what I was gonna get into. I was gonna um, ask you. You was twenty two years, right? Um how many kids you think you graduated in your tenure, and it's just a guess. Now, remember, we had our largest population was pre-K through the f- sixth grade. Something about when children get into seventh and eighth grade, their parents allow them to make decisions. Do you want to play sports? And see, we had absolutely no sports. I got you. Uh, and that's when your boys begin to 
and the girls, they want to play basketball. They want to yes. play football because they're going to be football stars and all of this, their parents think. And so we had small graduation. Like in, in eighth grade, we may have had 20 students in a class. You know, that was you. our eighth grade population. So over the 20-some years, I dare say we have graduated uh, four, 400 students. I got you. Um, absolutely, those students who leave us tell us that when they get to the ninth grade, didn't matter what school they went to, when they get to the ninth grade, they already have good study habits and study skills. They already knew or had been taught most of the things that they were being taught as ninth graders. And then some of our students who were fortunate enough to get over to College of the Mainland in that dual uh, credit, credit program, program, our children graduate early. But they credit that. Mm -hmm. See, they had, they, if they were in top level classes, they would leave us with three high school credits. I got you. But everybody leaves with a high school credit in Spanish one. Spanish one. And, and those uh, that qualified had algebra. Had algebra and uh, world world geography. So um, they were they were avid readers. Uh, one of the things that I did do uh, as an English major, I took many of the required readings for ninth and tenth grade and incorporated the, in, in them into our seventh and eighth grade reading program. Reading, reading is fundamental. Now, Ooh. I feel like reading saved my life. Re First off, readers are leaders. You're right. Point blank period. There's True. not no one that's the leader of any successful organization that isn't a reader. Absolutely true. Readers are leaders. You're okay, right. that's the first thing. But it's something we always took in school. I, in school, I was not big on reading. Didn't like the process of reading. But it's something now that I that I understand totally that is very, very important. Reading comprehension. Yeah. Ooh, when, when you now, now it's one thing to read. But it's another thing it's to another understand. It's another thing to under understand and comprehend. What what am I saying? You could read something and you need to comprehend what it's not. In the paper. You've got to read yeah, between the lines. Yeah, you got to be able to comprehend what it is implied not saying meaning. or what it is implying right. or this and that. And I realized, wow. Yes. It's, it's, it's a level. The first level is reading. The next level is comprehension. Yes. And finally, you have to understand. You have to get all that. And like you say, it has to be taught, though. It's not something you learn on the fly. No. It's no. not something you pick up on eventually down the line. It is something that is instilled in you. And, you know, we took, and I started and learned this at Central. At the time that I was at Central, Beyonce and Destiny's Child were hot. And one of the songs was I'm a Survivor. Okay. We took that song and broke down the words and applied it to different situations in your life. You know, what yeah. constitutes a survivor? How did you do it? What is it that this song is telling? We took things that were of interest to them yeah. and made it applicable to their lives. We did the same thing at Mainland. I took To Kill a Mockingbird, because every year I would teach yeah. the eighth grade class To Kill a Mockingbird. And 
they had to apply it to what's going on in their world now. What did it mean then? What does it mean now? So we had to personalize the educational program. We had to make it relate to and make sense to their lives. I got you. Um, that's why even now I, 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 I'm biting at the bit to get out into the community because there are some books that our young men and women need to be reading. What? Okay, now, now let me ask you this. What, what books guided you? So when I say books, I mean not for us the educational program that you um, put into your curriculum, mm-hmm. but as you was... What did you read or what resources did you go to? Like you said, Mr. Matthews yeah. challenged y'all to do the research on this. Yes. And then you say you, y'all went to the state capitol yes. to get more information on it and this and that. Right. But what books have you read personally that has gotten you, has strengthened your leadership? Professional journals, professional books. One of the books that I've read early on in education that is a classic in educational college programs now is Ruby Payne, and I think it's The Poverty of Education. The Poverty of Education by Ruby? Ruby Payne. Ruby Payne. There are other books. Um, Oh, I, and I'm, I'm ready to kick myself right now because I can't think of some of the no, titles. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I do TED Talks. There's a sister on TED Talks, and she did a TED Talk, and I've shown it to every faculty group that I've ever had throughout the school year um, to let them know how they can be a savior, a, a, a hero in a child's life. Um, I, I, I can't think of them, but the one that stands out most in my mind um, is the Ruby Payne books, Transformation of Education. Uh, it's about what the black child needs. Gotcha. Um, but there's a lot of literature out there today that our children need to be able to decipher, and it will help them with the choices that they make. Uh, one of the books that I'm itching to get with is uh, Sister Soldier's. Oh, the coldest don't, winter ever. Oh, don't don't say that. Hey, real quick, bring me that um that book over there. So one of my requirements, right? Now I'm a man, right? One of my requirements, whether um any female that I meet, whether um it's from a relationship status or anything like that, I I require them to read I mean, I don't require them. I suggest this book to them. Oh, sister soldiers, no respect, no disrespect. No disrespect. Oh my goodness. This this book helped me help me get She's a real a understanding. Listen, I just had my niece read that book in here this summer as part as of, as part as part of her pay. She had to read Sister Soldiers. No disrespect. Shout out to Sister Soldier. Um, this yes. book is phenomenal. This is her first book. It's her, it's her autobiography of her life. It's before she writes Coldest Winter Ever oh. or anything like that. It helped me get a real profound understanding for what young black girls are dealing with as they grow through life. 
and they deal with life. And I, I recommend this book to okay. a lot of young girls that's growing up. She talk about college. Yes. She talk about all the different she's things bad. from she's, from she's from that perspective. And it's funny you being an educator, being as successful as you are, ha, has brought brought her up because this here. This is one of the books on the wall for me. I get it. Do, do, I get do, do, it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is one of the books on the wall for me. Sister Soldier, yes. no disrespect. I done brought it about 12 times and then gave it to people. That's what books. I do. By uh, the book that there's a male counterpart that I feel every black male should read is entitled by Wes Moore. It's entitled The Other Wes Moore. It's okay. about two brothers in Baltimore, Maryland. Wes Moore, and the book is called The Other Wes Moore. And both of them are named Wes Moore. Okay. One of them ends up being a Rhodes Scholar. The other one ends up being a prisoner. Gotcha. And it's all about the choices we made. And Wes Moore knows the other Wes Moore. And when I tell you, our boys need to know that the choices you make, the name that you create for yourself, is your most valuable contribution to the world. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am very, very sincere about trying to get a group of young students together to read and relate it to their personal circumstances. And I find it so disheartening that many parents leave the choice up to their children. Yeah. And because a lot of people are not reading, man. Just, it's, just being not, honest with you. Not, and reading is accessible in, in yeah. any ways from the phone and right. this and that. But my kids will tell you, I ask my kids, I ask my nephews, have you ever seen anybody reading a book? They will say, no, I haven't. Mm -mm. Other than you, I'm the only person see, by design who who reads who who lets them see and me reading, and I let them know what I'm reading. That hey, I don't know something, and I'm reading to search and find the information. I I I I read. I, I'm reading the Redemption of Bobby Love right now. Awesome book. But every single month, I'm going to read something. Well, it, it, I, I, I need it. It exercises your mind. It does. I, and, and, you know, you can find a whole brand new world in a book. And the children are so caught up in the video games and the iPads and the uh, social media and the TikTok and and, and and I'm disillusioned. I'm disheartened. One book will change your life. Listen. My niece read this book. She's at Howard right now. Oh, congratulations. And she, she called me today just thanking me. See what just, I'm talking Just about? thanking me for the wisdom. And she say, I feel like I'm Sister Soldier now that I'm asking. Now that's deep. Do you understand yes. what I'm saying? Oh, I, I mean, do. That, and look, this book oh. was published in 1994. We're talking about she wasn't born eight. She was born eight years later in, in 2002. And here we are. At she what nineteen years yeah. old, twenty? She be 20, twenty this year, and she's saying after reading this book, she feel like she's sister soul. I tell you what, that's how powerful reading yeah, is. This was this was this was better than any course she could have took. I'm telling you. Do you hear what yes, I'm saying? Yes, and it's in a book. All these pages. And you can pick it up was, again and again. 
360 pages was better than any course Turn her she could have taken. Coldest one I ever, please. Yeah, that's next four. That's yeah, next four. Yeah, but I just yeah. had to. I had to give her context. Yes, you're right. Right here to let her know, and it's some very, very um, deep things in this book. Um, it's a chapter in here that sticks with me. Where she's in college, she meet a boyfriend in the book, and um, the boyfriend ended up letting her down. Like this guy she looked up to, she was a. A underclassman, he was an upperclassman, and the guy ended up letting her all the way down, and she couldn't believe it. And she finally confronted him and like, why you do this to me? Why you act like this? What is wrong with you? What is going on? And the guy was dealing with his own personal sexuality right. issues. You know, he 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 was um he really was gay, but he was he hadn't he, dealt he was with dealing it. with her. He yeah. hadn't dealt with it. And he, she didn't know that. This was the leader on campus. This was one everybody looked up to. And he finally revealed that to her, like, hey, I'm dealing with this issue. And she could not believe it. And he was, uh, um, he was in the Islam. He was in everything. But he hid this from her. And he finally exposed it to her. And he said, why would you, she said, why would you do that to me? And this stuck with me. Yeah. Th this stuck with me yeah. forever. His yeah. reply was people get on their knees every night and lie to their God. What make Whoa. you think I won't lie to you? To you. That's deep. Now, I don't think you understand. I don't have a tattoo on my body. I understand. But that was tattooed to why I had to have my niece read this read and that. understand this. Did you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. That man, after breaking that news, said, People get on their knees every, every night, night and lie, and lie to, to their, their God. God. What makes what you, make you think I won't lie to you? That's deep. So, hey. In a book. Free promotion. Sister Soldier, no disrespect, man. Y'all check that yes. out. Um, if anybody get a chance to read it, um, real deep, man. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll help you out. Believe me. We'll shed light on your path. It will. It will. It will. Um, oh, that's amazing! No, that and that's that's again. That's what reading do for you. That it now, opens it, the world. If I don't read that in 1998 or 1999, I don't have that information to share. Right, and that's how valuable that, that is. The, those text words are. To this day, shout out to Sister Soldier, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. We and love Wes you, girl. Moore, thank you. Yeah, Westmore. The other Westmore, that's the name of the book. We're going to be tapping into that, too. Yes, We yes, may start yes. something. We may start a book club or something. If, if, no, listen. If not a book club, when you were saying what you're saying, we may come up with a scholarship for the 7th and 8th grade, and it may be a, uh, maybe a scholarship, maybe a sponsorship for the prom or something, that they write an article or a poem or something oh, on this yes. book. I think you could do something I like that. You're to right. And, 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 and get the... Get that age group. We can spur their interest in reading. Yes, to spur their interest in reading. Because, you know, they used to say, if you want to hide something from a black man, yeah. put it in a book. Exactly. So when you said that, my mind, you know, my mind started triggering. Yes, but yes. I, I, I say, well, you can't do it as a scholarship for school because they, they so young. Right. So maybe it's a scholarship for the eighth grade prom or, you know, something. you could come up with something right. like that to where, to where they could win something because they headed to high school. Yeah, you know and what I'm they saying? need to arm themselves with the self-confidence 
and then the belief in themselves. And books like that open their them up. And listen, you can't wipe it off. No, I no, can't no. wipe that off. No, no, there's no, there's no, there's, there's no wiping that off. Immediately, and 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 I look. I just had my seventy-four-year-old sister and her little book club read "Cold as One Day." Uh huh. And they're from. You know, I was a little bit concerned about some of the topical yeah. uh, discussions, but we had a book discussion last Saturday. And every last one of us did a four on that book. And we're very critical. We yeah. use threes and 3.2s yeah. and twos. And that book, The Coldest Winter Ever, and how you could relate it across class. I got you. I got yes, you. Yes, I got yes, you. Yes. So with that, um, I, have a, I have a question. Um, that I want to ask from someone, uh, from a cousin of mine. She's an educator, and she wanted to ask what, when you're, okay, when you at your lowest as an educator, when she say lowest, when she feel like they, the kids are getting on my nerves, the, the um, administration is not helping, you know, some of the things that made you very, very frustrated. She say in today's time, a lot of people are just leaving a profession um, for most people. You, you know, what were some of the things that got you through the frustrating times as an educator or as an administrator that just he helped you push through? Because we all get to that point to where, man, I'm done. Like, I'm going to sleep. Don't call me tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. But what kind of kept your fire lit when the wind came to blow it out? I'm going to be honest. We, listen, we, that didn't we want That did happen to me often. Like, no burnouts. But when, oh, no, because, see, I'm about those children. I got you. I turn grown-ups off in a minute. Click. Done. <laughs> but there were times when... My lowest was in dealing with children, with adults or teachers who do not like children. When you realize that you are not there for the children, you have no place in my world. I got you. Uh, because it's all about these children and their future. A child cannot afford one bad teacher because a one bad teacher makes a lifetime impression. Gotcha. So I've had some down, down days in dealing with, a, with teachers who really don't want to be there. Then I invite them to find another profession. I have a problem with parents who don't assume their responsibilities for their children. I got gotcha. you. Yes, Education can be a political arena. It really can. Especially with the games these people play in Austin, Texas, about tying um, money for education to other compromises. Gotcha. You don't compromise with someone's education. So I don't like to play the political game. That is the one depressing, absolutely intolerable, situation for me 
I got you. Um, and if you don't like children, then don't come into education. Because on any given day, you will not be able to stand those kids. You will get pushed. You will. Your then, you know will what? Be triggered at every- <laughs> and my thing is, I honestly treat children the way I treat my own child. I got you. And I slap the hell out of you. Pop, go to weasel. You know what? I don't play with you. I don't have time for that. And guess what? You don't have time either. Because that's a failure to learn. That's an indictment. Indictment. Yeah. I, I have no... Um, place for stupidity. Uh, all of us are bad or weak at something, but I don't play with education. I don't play. I do not play with these children's future. With um, since you started twenty two years ago, I also wanted to ask you. A lot of things have changed. You're no longer the only charter school. No. In Galveston County. No. Right. Um, charter schools have pretty much start proliferating throughout the state of Texas, just in general, you know, whether they be small, whether yeah. they, they be big. The structure you have or had at um, Mainland Prep just as recently as your three-year retirement, right? What would you say is the difference between what you have, what you had at Mainland Prep and the other ones that are out here like the corporation or franchise rent? charter schools like the KIPP or Yes Prep Academies? At Mainland Prep, it was personal. Education was personal. And we did whatever we had to do for each individual child to meet his or her needs. The problem that I have with the KIPPs and the Yes Charter Schools, of the little that I know about them, they're very political. And um, it just didn't have the flavor or the personalization that I want. Even in mainland prep today, my greater concern is with the lack of personalization in education. It is imperative to me that I do whatever has to be done to meet the needs of a particular child and a parent. I got you. All those parents couldn't pick their children up on time. Uh, so I'll take them home. I got you. Or if the parent gets off at 6 o'clock and you need me to stay at the school and keep them, then that child and I are going to be there doing his work, and I'm going to do my work. We have to meet the needs of those children and those parents wherever they are. We got to dedicate ourselves to the process. It's commitment. I'm in it to win it. And I realize that if I don't give these children every opportunity to realize their potential, then shame on me. It's going to hurt me and my community because they live where I live. And I can't have the assurance of a better tomorrow if I'm not giving them everything they need today. I got it. I got it. Um, any highlights that you want to bring out, like other students? Any student that you remember? Oh and I know God. you remember a whole bunch of us, but I mean, is it, is it, is it, can you give us any example or anyone that you was like, this kid was struggling here? I knew this kid could do better. And I, don't get me wrong, I know it's many of them. 
is many of them, right? But anyone that you could personally remember, like a highlight, and I know it's many of them, but you like, man, we was able to do this, and this kid has prospered and went on in life and just has blew any expectations by, well, you already know if he was in a public school, he would have been or she would have been labeled, um, you know, in the slower classes or anything like that. Do you have any? Now, don't get me wrong. I know you have too many of them, <laughs> you know, but is it any one particular case, uh, any one particular student that you can highlight? That's very difficult for me to say. Because it's so many. Because there are so many. That's uh, awesome, though. That's awesome so to be in that scenario. That have distinguished themselves. Um, one of my. No, I, I can't do it. I got you. I mean, I, Dana Sweetie from Galveston. Oh, I know Dana. I've watched Dana. Saw a problem in, in 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 the school system, or saw something in the way children were being taught and and raised that she couldn't tolerate. She didn't just talk about it; she did something about it. Dana has her own tutorial program, and she struggles, um, but she's committed. She put she put her money where her mouth was. Dana quit a lucrative job because she wasn't satisfied. I got you. And she came and gave back to Galveston. There are so many kids in Galveston that have touched me, and they're not always the ones that go off to college. I didn't go to college. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hockley, that's what I'm talking about. It's people who have an undying commitment to give back. And I say this to you because you're one of those people. Definitely. You don't have to do what you do. But you're probably one of the greatest teachers that I know. Really? Just sitting <laughs> here listening to you. But always being, I've always admired you. Always, it no, you you weren't right. <laughs> you weren't right, but you took responsibility. Got to take responsibility. Uh, and you did what you had to do. But I look at the way you educate people, and 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 you make the give back real. Oh, it got to be real it, because it was real when you, when I didn't have it. I tell people all the time, man, I waited my whole life to be able to give back. That's what it's for. The, our, our whole time, the whole existence, I wanted to be in life to give back. You know, you're like, oh, man, when I get enough to do this, I'm going to do that. Uh, if I do this, I'm going to do that. And I waited my whole life to give back. And, 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 and you didn't just hit it and quit it. You keep on giving like the Energizer Bunny. No. You yeah. keep giving me. I'm following your example. I hope in 22 years, we had our eight year, and in 22 years, I can pass it on to somebody else. And that somebody that was 
Somebody that was nine when we uh, ten when we started is nineteen a day, and when they become a successful person, they come back and keep it going. I want to do exactly what you did with the school. You know, forty two years. Yes, I didn't have a job for forty two years. Talk to me. I had a love affair. Talk to for me for forty two years. Talk because to I've me. never met a man that has given me what these children in education have given me. Gotcha. And that is my greatest joy. And 42 years I taught. And yes, I had good days and yes, I had bad days. But I never gave up on my kids. And I'm grateful for having the privilege of walking in their lives. Um, so I can't sit here and name one person or one child because there have been so many. Each and every child has made an impact on my life. I've got doctors and lawyers. I've got teachers. I've got plumbers. I've got workers. Mm. Real and, impact. and they're on the give back trail. That's what I'm talking about. So I have been blessed. And each child who has allowed me the privilege to walk in the path of his or her life has been a gift to me. And I've said it before, and I am very serious. Not many people have had the opportunity of living their dream, but I have. And the greatest joy for me comes when I'm in a grocery store or I'm some, somewhere and somebody said, Miss Merchant, Miss Merchant, you don't remember me? I'm saying, baby, tell me where. Remember you threw a shoe at me. <laughs> or um, you remember you remember when I got caught doing something at Central in such and such a grade and you lied for me, but you got me around the corner and cussed me out? Yeah, I have been richer. I have been made richer because of the children who have walked into my life wouldn't trade it for the world. I believe in pa paying it forward. My daughter will go somewhere and somebody will say, aren't you Diane Merchants or aren't you Miss Armstrong's daughter? And she said, yeah. And they said, oh, your mama taught me in such and such a grade. Your mama did this. I have been blessed. Well, this is what we want to do. We in here tearing up. Yeah. Uh -huh. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but this is what this show is about. This is why you're the first person to come on this show because you had an impact in my life. Well, and my life you. was highly rough. And this is what we want to do. Get the, um, what's called it for me back there? We want to give you your flowers here on the show. Do, do you hear what we're saying? We want to commend you and say job well done. Please understand that's what we want to say to you. We want to say, job well done. If y'all hear no other time, we want to tell you, job well done. Why you here? Thank you, Randy. Yes, we oh, want to tell you, job you, well thank done. You, thank you. And, and we know when you retired, you got a, a, a great retirement. We know that, but we want to just bring you personally on the show to say it's not in vain. 
You have not struggled. You have not fought. You have not came all the way from the farm in Pennsylvania in vain. You have made your impact. You have changed lives. And this will never be erased. And, and I wanted you to come in here and give me the opportunity to record your personal story for generations to come. And we appreciate you and we thank you and we want to give you your flowers on the show. Robert Hockley, <laughs> this means more to me than you'll ever know. And I thank you for the privilege of telling my truth. That's, that's, that's all we want. And we, we thank you so much. Of course, it ain't over. It ain't the end. But I want you to know, because when I called you, you was like, it's troubling times out here. I say, look at that fight in you. I know that fight not it's going not nowhere. I know over. it's not going nowhere. But I just want you to know it's not in vain. And I want to say to you and to every single child who has ever touched my life, Thank you. You know what? The pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. And I am eternally grateful. Well, there we have it. Our first show, Miss Merchant, Mainland Prep. We did it. 2021, we did it. I want to thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all for listening. I hope this show and this recording it's able to give you any kind of value. Well, I said 2021, excuse me. Randy is correcting me. I got Randy here. It's 2022. But I want to um, thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for giving us y'all time. And we thank Miss Merchant once again for sharing her story, man. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. 